as we go through the Christmas season this year, I quite simply would like to go over with you this morning the meaning of Christmas. It's not that I think you do not know this, I'm sure you do, but my reasoning is, as each of us goes through these remaining days of December, a reminder of the true meaning of Christmas may turn out to be much appreciated, may prove to be most helpful. As Santa is worshiped, not the Savior, as pilgrims go to the store, not to the manger, as the feast of indulgence, not of the incarnation, takes place all around us. Dr. Sinclair Ferguson has written, a reminder once more may prove to be most helpful. We will take our proper understanding of Christmas from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which passage tells us that Christmas is the Son of God humbled himself for the eternal life of sinners, and that attitude of humble love is to be our attitude as well. Let me say that again. Christmas is the Son of God humbled himself for the eternal life of sinners. And that attitude of humble love is to be our attitude as well. For our first point this morning, notice with me that the Son of God humbled himself. We see this, we are taught this in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Christ Jesus is God. As the Nicene Creed puts it, Christ Jesus is very God of very God. As John 1, 1 puts it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ Jesus is not a God, small g. He is not simply God-like. He is eternal God, the second person of the Godhead the one by whom all things were made and the one in whom all things hold together. Now, when Christ Jesus, 
the Son of God came to earth. We read that, A, he made himself nothing. That means he laid aside his divine prerogatives and privileges. And the glory that he had as God, he veiled. And he submitted the use of his divine authority to the Father. He didn't stop being God. God cannot stop being God. But he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. As the New King James Version has it, he made himself of no reputation. Think of the story of the Son of God before the Roman soldiers. Remember how they, how they spit on him and put a crown of thorns on his head and how they hit him and mocked him? Remember how they nailed him to the cross? How could they do those things to the Son of God? He set aside his divine prerogatives. He cloaked his divine glory. He submitted the use of his divine authority to the Father. A, the Son of God made himself nothing. We further read about the Son of God humbling himself, that B, he also became a man. Becoming a human, no doubt, doesn't strike us much at all. I mean, what's so bad? What's so low about being a human? But becoming a human was a great lowering for the Son of God. The Son of God creates humans. The Son of God is infinitely greater than humans. The Son of God is God. Oh, how low the Son of God bent when he also became one of us. After the service this morning, I go up to you and I say to you, uh, friend, uh, the world of worms is facing a great crisis. The world of worms has a great problem which they can't solve. Will you also become a worm and go help them? What a great come down that would be for you to also become a worm. That in a very small sense is what the Son of God did when he came. B, he humbled himself by also being made 
in human likeness. And then C, we read that he took on the very nature of a servant. When the Son of God came, he came with a towel and a basin. When the Son of God came, he came to serve. He didn't come to reign. He didn't come to be exalted. He didn't come to be served. No, no crown, no scepter, no castle, no entourage. He came to serve, to serve the Father who sent him and to serve sinners. I remember reading about some missionaries who, while they were on the mission field, found out about a group of people who needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. However, those people were owned by ones who said the only way they could be spoken to, the only way they could be talked to was to become one of them, slaves with them. And do you know what? That's what those missionaries did. They gave up their rights and became slaves. The Son of God, who being in very nature God, also took the very nature of a servant. Someone has said, the humble person is one who does not think of himself. The Son of God did not think of his privileges and glory and authority and deity and kingship. He thought of the Father and of sinners. Christmas, first of all, is the Son of God humbled himself. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He made himself nothing. He became also a human, and he was a servant. And my friends, I want to say to you, watch out. Be on guard. You won't find this message much at all in the world around you. You won't find it at Walmart. You won't find it at Best Buy, at Amazon. You, you won't find it at many, if any, office parties. You won't find it at many family celebrations. But this is the meaning of Christmas. And this is what's to be in our hearts always, but especially at this time of the year. For our second point, notice with me 
how the Son of God humbled himself even further and the why of his humiliation. Let's read verse 8 now of Philippians 2. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Son of God laid aside his divine rights. The Son of God obscured his glory. The Son of God also became a human. The Son of God took on the very nature of a servant so that he might also taste death. The Son of God humbled himself further to the point of death, death on a cross. The Apostle John writes these words in John 19, verses 17 and 18 about the Son of God. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, and here they crucified him. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Listen to these words of Dr. Jim Boyce. The Christmas story is treated quite simply in scripture. And the emphasis is always on the fact that Jesus came to die. The Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, took a human body in order that he might die. Why did the Son of God humble himself so? Why did he humble himself to death on a cross? As I have told a number of you, even more than once in the past, I was born in a Christian home, but I didn't become a Christian until my teenage years. I thought that things were fine with God, perhaps because of my parents' faith, or perhaps because I went to church, whatever. I, I thought things were fine. But one day, after a Sunday morning worship service, I, through a conversation, went on to realize that things were not fine. I became aware of my sinfulness. I became aware of my, of my guilt. I became aware of my lostness, and I was slain. And I don't say that to exaggerate. I was slain. Well, what do I do? Where do I turn? To whom do I turn? That night, after youth group and evening worship, I went home and I went to my room. 
And I cried out to Jesus Christ to save me. I cried out to Jesus Christ to deal with my sins, to deal with my guilt, to reconcile me to the Father. I turned to him and asked him to do what no one else could do, save me. Why did the Son of God humble himself to the point of death on the cross for the eternal life of sinners, to pay the penalty for sin, to deal with guilt, to bring us to the Father once again for the eternal life of sinners? I want to ask you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? May we talk. There are some here this morning who are still carrying sin, who are still guilty before God, who are not right with God, who do not have heaven waiting. You need, you need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be obedient to the Bible calling you to turn from your sins and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me also say this. There are many people who do not know this message of Christmas. There are many people right here in the United States who are ignorant of the most of this most important truth of the Bible. They don't know of their lost standing before God. They don't know that they are not headed for heaven. They don't know that the Son of God humbled himself to give eternal life. And so I want to say to fellow believers who are here today, as you go through this Christmas season, Remember, one of the reasons you are here is for them. One reason you have been given life is to communicate to them the truths of Christmas. And so will you commit or recommit yourself to being a witness of Jesus Christ to telling others the meaning of Christmas. If I remember correctly, in the early 1900s, the country of Wales experienced a revival. And during this revival, many coal miners were wonderfully converted. And one of the ways they showed this change, this conversion to Jesus Christ was to stop beating and cursing the donkeys that pulled the coal wagons in the mines. Early 1900s, these animals were in the mines and they would pull the coal wagons that the coal miners loaded. 
And when the coal miners were converted, they no longer were mean and nasty and foul to the animals. They showed something had really taken place. I'm asking you to show that something has taken place with you, that you know this true meaning of Christmas by once again committing yourself to being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, I think, leads us to our next point of this morning. Number three, notice with me that the attitude of the Son of God, the attitude of humble love, notice that his attitude of unselfish concern should be our attitude as well. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We might not think of our third point as part of the Christmas story, but it is in this way. The humbling service of the Son of God was not just for the eternal life of sinners. It was also to set an example for us. It was also to show us how we are to live. We are to be people of humble love. We are to be people of unselfish concern. Apparently, there was a problem in the church at Philippi, a problem of some members not getting along, a problem of some division in the fellowship. Do you know how the Apostle Paul dealt with that situation? He ministered in that situation by telling the Christmas story by telling them of Jesus. The Christmas story is to be our example as well as our salvation. What would I say to a person who would come to me and tell me of people in his or her church who were not getting along with one another? or of people in his or her church who were so wrapped up in themselves that they rarely did things in the church for others. The best thing I could say to that person is, put the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, before the people. Tell them how he humbled himself by laying aside his rights, by also becoming a man, by taking on the very nature of a servant. Tell them how he humbled himself by going to the cross for them. <coughs> Tell them how he didn't think of himself, but he thought of them. The best thing I could say to the person is tell the Christmas story to the person. 
for the Christmas story once again is an example to Christ's people as well as the eternal life of Christ's people. Let me quote verse 5 once more. Let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me show you one more thing from Philippians chapter 2. Notice what the Father's response was to the Son of God's humbling of himself. Verses 9, 10, and 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father exalted the Son and honored him. The Father received the humble love of the Son for our salvation. And today, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He reigns in sovereign majesty. He reigns in sovereign authority over everyone. The Father honored the Son. And in the Father's grace, those of us who belong to the Son will one day be honored in the Son. In eternity, the Father will honor us by having us share in the Son's glory. Not in that poor, lowly stable, with the oxen standing by, we shall see him, but in heaven, set at God's right hand on high, when like stars his children crowned, all in white shall wait around. In eternity, the Father will honor us by having us share in the Son's glory. We may not see much of our coming glory now, but we shall see it and have it when the Son of God returns. The meaning of Christmas, the Son of God became poor so that his people would become rich and his humble love is to be our attitude as well. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what we have just heard today. May you and the Son and the Holy Spirit be much, much glorified through this message and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.